What's going on? Welcome to another edition of Zoe Church. We are excited to be bringing you the first message of 2022. We have none other than the great pastor, Bianca Oltoff, from the Father's House, Orange County, joining us today. She's preaching the first message at Zoe Church in 2022. She's a great friend. Her and her husband lead a fantastic community down in Orange County. If you're ever in the Orange County area, you got to check out the Father's House, Orange County. We're thrilled today to have her with us. It's a big honor. And again, thank you to everyone that calls Zoe home, listens to this podcast, listens to these messages. Thank you for subscribing, commenting, and sharing. We believe this is going to be a year of fantastic growth and fantastic momentum. Without any further ado, let's go to the first message of 2022, Pastor Bianca Altoff. Let's pick this up in Ruth chapter 1, verse 3. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Why did he go to Moab to not die? Good job, church. Yes, all right. That's perfect. He moved to Moab so he didn't die. And what happened? He died. And she was left with her two sons. This is a patriarchal society. And your identity, your worth, your value, your future is all hinging upon the male lineage. And then what happens she was left with her two sons, and they both took wives, women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about 10 years. Then both Malon and Kilion also died. So the woman survived, her two sons and her husband. So the story starts off with death, destitution, and depression. Aren't you happy you came to church today? But this is the story which I believe can reflect our life because sometimes it's always darkest before the dawn. And so here, this story starts off, and I think we need some context. So Naomi, um, whose name means sweet and pleasant, she moves with her husband to Moab. But what we need to know for some context, because the word for the year is devoted to his word, you gotta know your word. A little thing about Moab is that no good Jew wants to be in Moab. Okay, the city was started from an re ancestral relationship between a dad and a daughter, okay? And then it was a hookup sin cycle for years and generations after that. Think of this city as a cross between Bangkok and Las Vegas, okay? It's a turn up, debauchery. I mean, it's crazy. Some beautiful people. It might even be uh, akin to Los Angeles, okay? And here, as we go through this story, especially as you go through your homework, we're going to discover that Naomi's son married this woman by the name of Ruth. Ruth means friendly. There's some word nerds in here that are going to jot that down because names are very important in, in the Bible. And, and friendly marries into sweet and pleasant family. But see, my, my, my problem with how these characters have been betrayed is that you've ever read the book of Ruth or maybe, maybe you don't have a faith background, but you've been to a wedding and you're going to hear these vows that say, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. How many of us are familiar with that phrase or have heard that? Show, lift up your hands. Yeah, great. So my problem with that is that I believe that it's a mistype, a mischaracterization of this woman. Why? Because she's not from Beverly Hills. She's like from Crenshaw. You know, she got a whole different attitude. When we read that, it's kind of like in old English, like ancient literature, where you go, I will go. Your people shall be my people. Nah, she's a dark-skinned sister. She got big old hoop earrings. She's like a biblical Cardi B. She's like, uh-uh, mommy, listen, okay? Where'd you go? I'm gonna go. Your people will be my people, and your God, he's my God. Oh, 
that, that, that's a better appropriation of this woman. So Ruth's husband is dead. Ruth's father-in-law is dead. Ruth's brother-in-law is dead. Their dreams and hopes are dashed six feet under, three times over. These women have experienced such pain and loss. See, death is tragic in and of itself. But in the society, they were left with nothing. No property rights, no intellectual rights, no religious rights. They're in a foreign land. And Naomi, with this Yiddish accent that I hear in my head, Oy vey, Yahweh, you have forsaken us. She says in Ruth chapter 2, she tells the girls, excuse me, at the end of chapter 1, which you'll read this week in homework, she says, what do I have to give you? I have nothing. I have no money. I have no property. I'm so old and my womb is so dried up. I can't even promise you, sons, go back to your land. Go back to your homeland because I have nothing to give you. And Ruth says this in, in Ruth 1:16. Go ahead and turn there. It's also on the screen. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And on this, on this profession, they fell on each other. We'll read that in a second. And they began to weep. Now, I understand that the way that I interpret the Bible and my BIV version, the Bianca International version, might be a little bit foreign to you, but you have to understand I'm of Mexican descent, meaning I'm Mexican and Puerto Rican, and I read my Bible like a soap opera, but not an American soap opera, like a novella, okay? And that's a whole other level of crazy. And as you go into being devoted to God's word, you might be like, oh, no, but the Bible's boring. No, you boring, okay? That's why. You got to put some flavor on that. You got to put some salsa, some sasson, all right? you got to read God's word like, oh, that is delicious. So go there now like it's a novella. You are seeing Naomi broken. Her life has gone to hell in a handbasket. She has lost everything. And what does she tell these women? Go, go back home. See, Naomi lost everything. And where does she go? At the top of chapter 2, which you'll read this week, she went back to her community. We read that in the, in the midst of loss, the midst of pain, she didn't go to the bar, she didn't go to the club, she didn't turn up on Tinder. She went to her community. And I'm here to tell you today that it's okay to not be okay. As we're going to read, she, she goes to her community and she tells them, don't call me Naomi, which means sweet and, ple- uh, sweet and pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Lord Almighty has ve- dealt very bitterly with me. You see what's going on here? She was salty. She said, I went away full and I came back empty. And maybe that's been like our years. Maybe you, maybe you, you came to Los Angeles to pursue a career or a job opportunity and it was lost during COVID. Maybe you moved here to be in a relationship and then they dumped you. Maybe you moved here for school and then you realized that you couldn't afford the bill and then you're out. What do you do in those situations? What do you do when you started a business and the business goes bust? You know what I love about the realness of this passage? Naomi keeps it so real. She was honest. She didn't come in and speak Christianese. Y'all know what Christianese is? God bless you. Hallelujah. How are you doing? Blessed and highly favored. She walked in there like, how are you? I'm salty. In fact, I'm questioning the goodness of God. If you've come in here today experiencing a year like that, Let me remind you that God is good and he's working all things out for good. That is hard to hear, but let me prove it why I believe this. 
And if you come in here like that, let me let you know that you are not alone in experiencing that. See, pain is the keeper of company. Pain is the thing that bonds. It's not perfection. No, no, no. Pain is the thing that bonds us in community. You want to know we are, we have seen God do more in our struggles than he has with our successes. If we are honest, we could testify and say, actually, God has pulled me up from the miry clay. God has pulled me up from the ashes. God has removed my bitterness and my anger and he's given me a garment of praise. And you know, whether you realize it or not, the thing that caused you to be here today, whether you were dragged by a friend or whether you lost a bet or whether you woke up early and came to the first service because the real saints come to first service. Hey, hey, do you know that you got back up? No matter what you have faced, no matter what loss you've encountered, whether death that has hit your home, do you know that you came to the house of God? And can I remind you that you got back up? One of the central themes of the book of Ruth is this word called providence. Now, we'll get into that in a second. I'm going to give you an academic term that we could define it with. But for right now, I need us to understand providence simply is the phrase, nothing just happens. That word is actually rooted in a biblical understanding. Now, here's where I want to geek out. This is a big concept and this is deep, so I need you to hang tight. I need you to put on your thinking caps. In Scripture... And in biblical understanding and theology, there's this word called sovereign. What does that mean? Sovereign simply means that God is in control of everything. If we believe that God is sovereign and control of everything, then we have to believe in providence, that nothing just happens, that he is fully aware of everything and he's working things out for good. See, God has not made a mistake and you are not an accident. God has not fallen asleep on the job. God knows where you are. God knows how old you are. God knows how young you are. God knows what you've done. God knows what you're going to do. God knows when you're awake. God knows when you're asleep. God knows when you're broke. God knows when you're bougie. God knows when you busted. God knows the degrees you have. God knows when you dropped out. He knows about your child's illness. He knows about your marital issues. He knows about this holiday weight gain. Glory to God. Okay. God knows about everything. He is over it all. So when I say nothing just happens, it's because it is rooted in this truth that God is overall. So if nothing just happens, get back up. Look at what Ruth 1.14 says. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But, somebody say but. No, church, we got to say but, like we could say but in the house of God. Yes, but Ruth clung to her. Orpah walks away after this meltdown, and I need you to hear me very, very clearly in the words of Kanye West. If somebody walks away, let them walk. Your destiny is not tied to anyone who walks out on you. And we have experienced so many lost relationships, broken relationships, where maybe you had to cut it off, but it's because they left a long time ago emotionally. If you had someone walk out on you, don't feel that your destiny is tied to them. And I am seeing people hold on to relationships, to business deals, to friendships, because they're so afraid of losing that person. You want to resurrect that relationship like Lazarus. You ain't Jesus. Let them go. No, no. I don't care what they did for you 10 years ago, the money they lent you, how they were good to you in one season, but they've been doing you dirty in this season. No, your destiny is not tied to someone who has abandoned you or left you. Before Beyonce came out with, tell him, boy, bye. My dad had a gift of goodbye a long time ago, okay? And I uh, fortunately been raised by a God-fearing man who, who put in me and esteemed my value and worth. And he said, hey, if someone don't want you, do them a favor and walk away with your head held high. And I remember one relationship, I mean, I, it was, <laughs> we did it for three years, but the relationship 
was broken, okay? We broke up because the relationship was broken. We broke up like three times. And I kept on going back feeling like, no, he's going to change. This is going to be great. And I just realized one time in our last breakup, I don't know how many times that we broke up, but I remember looking and saying, you know what? It's not that I'm too much for you. Baby, you're not enough. And I had to leave. And I realized that no matter what he had, his acumen, his credibility, his influence, all that other stuff, it didn't matter because you were not for me. And my destiny is not tied to someone who's about to walk out on me. No, people will walk out on you because they're not for you. Now, that's not to say that Orpah was wrong because she left. It's just Orpah had served her role in that season. I don't want us to be bitter and salty and give people the bird. No, we just say this season is done because nothing just happens. Now, you might be here and thinking like, well, wait, Bianca, are you saying that like God allows bad things to happen? God allows trauma and tribulation to happen? This is a big theological concept that we can't unpack just in one uh, caveat, one five-minute conversation about it. I actually taught about it. It's on YouTube. Why does bad things happen to good people? But this is what I will say. God's heart is broken. God's heart is broken because humanity is full of sin and shortcomings and we make mistakes. He aches over it. And I don't want to dismiss it, but I also know what Joseph said in Genesis 51, what you meant for evil, God has used for good. And I know what Paul says in Romans 8, that all things will work together for good. And I know what David says in Psalm 37, that says the steps of the Lord are, or the steps of man are ordered by the Lord. And I know what it says in Joel 2.25, the years that the locust has eaten, I will restore. So let your pain have a purpose because nothing just happens. Get back up. Get back up. And you know what I love is that Ruth, Ruth knows that she got to work. See, she left Moab and she said, where you go, I will go. I'll go do whatever I need to do, but I'm going to go back with you. So they go back to Bethlehem and she's like, yo, we, we have no food. I got to get a job. And let's pick this up in Ruth chapter two, verse three. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. What does that mean? Basically, she worked as a picker. Some of y'all know what a picker is. And she happened to come to a place. Um, can somebody say happened? And she just so happened to come to a part of the field belonging to Boaz. Somebody say Boaz who was a family of Elimelech. Now, Elimelech was the one who kicked the bucket, bless his, bless his heart, and moved to Moab not to die, and he died. But now we have a new character on the scene. His name is Boaz. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Boaz. His name means strength, valor, and integrity. And some of y'all are like, what kind of name is Boaz? Boaz is better than Yoaz, all right? Because this man, this man is a redeemer. He's a kinsman redeemer, okay? I'm not even kidding you. This man rolls up on the scene and it's the soundtrack of salt and pepper. What a man, what a man, what a mighty, mighty good man. Yes, he is. Let me take a minute or two to get much respect to Boaz, all right? Because that's what we see here. And this phrase, nothing just happens, is rooted in a biblical principle and understanding. And what is that? The word that we mentioned earlier, providence. That everything in life is encompassed by a good God who is over all. From everything, from the morning to the night, from the sunrise to the sunset, from the animate to the inanimate, from animals to individuals, from weeds to wheat, from birth to death, from catastrophe to calm everything, our good God is over everything. Now, if you are more the learned type and you would like a dictionary definition, this is what Baker's Theological Dictionary says in defining providence. In God's wisdom, 
power, righteousness, and love. He is hasteningly, slowly to work out his own eternal purposes for his glory and our eternal good. For his glory and our good. For his glory and our good. I don't know what's going on, but I trust that God is over it, and no matter what, he's going to redeem it. I've got to believe that. I don't care how far I am on the mat. I don't care I've been knocked out, dragged out, spat upon. I don't care if Ivan Drago from Rocky IV, who said, I will kill you, is looking at me like the voice of the enemy, I will stand up because I got to get back up. I got to get back up. So here, Ruth coincidentally just so happened to find herself in a field belonging to a distant relative, which side note, that's actually a good thing. Marrying your relative back then, it's not like Kentucky, okay? It's a good thing. It's a real good thing when you marry a relative. And so we see that this phrase, so happened, comes up. Now, this was a comic, ironic, tongue-in-cheek writing device for a Hebrew writer. This is like saying, lo and behold, it just so happens. Lucky her. What great luck. Karma was totally on her side because this is L.A., right? No. A reader during this time would have understood that this was a writing device to attract attention, like a humorous tongue-in-cheek, like she just so happened to leave Moab and just so happened to go to Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, she just so happened to work in a field that just so happened to belong to a man named Boaz who just so happened to be her distant relative and just so happened to be single. Hello, some single lady up in here, all right? That is what the writer is doing. So this isn't happenstance, circumstance, or chance. This is providence. Yes, I'm a biblical rapper, okay? That is what's going on here, that the hand of God is moving in the life of Ruth, which is one of the central themes of this book. So sometimes God will move visibly. The Red Sea will part, manna will fall, a burning bush will talk to a man named Moses. But many times, like us, like me, it's the invisible hand of God, where I coincidentally just so happen to stumble into a place that God wants me to be. So if today you look like you've lost your way, maybe you've fallen, you've lost a job, lost a relationship, lost a dream, lost a child, let me tell you something. Get back up. Look at verse 3 of chapter 2, and she happened to come to that part that belonged to Boaz. What does this tell us? That nothing just happens. As God was with Ruth in that field, God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the middle of the fire. As God was with Ruth, God was with Daniel in the lion's den. As God was with Ruth, God was with Deborah and Barak fighting the Amalekites. As God was with Ruth, God is with me. As God was with Ruth, God is with you. If you are in the middle of the pain, let me tell you something. God's presence, his ever love is with you. Let me tell you something that my daddy always said. If you are not dead, then our good God is not done. So get back up. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy, but I'm telling you it's worth it. I'm telling you it's worth it. I'm going to have a little church in here today. This is what we're going to do. Um, it's the top of the year, and I need to teach some church folk how to talk back in church. I know we might have different backgrounds, and maybe you're like, this is my first time at church, and they're very loud. It's okay. Pastor Chad's going to be here next week, and he'll fix all of my heresy. But today... I want to warm us up to how to put faith in the environment. So when I say, can you say something? All you have to say is holler back the word I'm going to ask you to say. The word I'm going to ask you to say is nothing. Because I need this to get seated into our soul to know that nothing just happens. And sometimes we have to say it before we actually feel it. We got to say it to bring faith into the environment. So this is what I want us to do, church. I want you to think about your greatest moral failure. I want you to shout back nothing. 
I want you to think about your most damnable sin and shout back nothing. I want you to think about your most horrific abuse and shout back nothing. I want you to think about your lowest economic state and shout back nothing. I want you to think about the most painful experience you have ever gone through in your life and shout back nothing. I want you to think about the worst thing that someone has ever done to you and you shout back nothing. I want you to think about the person who betrays you and shout back nothing. I want you to think about the person who walked out on you and shout back nothing because nothing just happens. God is in control of everything. And some of y'all here don't believe me and I don't care. So before starting a church, I, uh, my husband and I really prayed and I said, I don't know why, but I feel called to go into prisons and resource the incarcerated. A man of faith that he is, he said, absolutely. We have no money and we have no connections, but like if God's in it, he's going to open the door. Long story, fast forward. Uh, it was one of our very first women's conferences in a Texas prison. And there we were ministering and I wanted to create an environment, a conference for women, uh, Christian, non-Christian, to come in and get a vision for their life to lower the recidivism rates. The reason why people are getting incarcerated yet again is they don't know how to live on the outside. And so we came in to bring messages of faith and hope and resources. And, and I remember meeting at the end of this conference a woman by the name of Daphne. Now, Daphne had been in there for a number of years and uh, she was serving a, a, a 10-year sentence. And after I gave uh, an invitation to receive Jesus at the end of the conference, she was one that raised her hand. But I noticed that there was snickering from people around, like around this decision that Daphne made. Daphne came up to me afterwards and she said, can you pray for me that this decision is, is, is sincere because I want to be re reunited with my daughter. She's pregnant and I want to get out of here. And the inmates and even some of the wardens there kind of laughed because they said, you don't know Daphne. Daphne's a brawler. She's crazy. She's gone into so many fights with other people that she has been in solitary confinement. In fact, she got into a fight with her CO, her correctional officer that put her in the shoe. If you don't know what the shoe is, don't Google it. They put her in the shoe for a number of days. She's never going to change. We prayed because she was being transferred to a maximum security prison. And the thing about prison ministry is that you don't know if you're ever going to connect with somebody ever again. All I knew is that she was being transferred to this maximum security prison. Lo and behold, what luck. God is totally on her side. I was reunited with Daphne at another prison event, except this time she came to serve. I saw Daphne. I said, what happened? She said the Lord had done a work. When she was transferred, oh, it gets better, y'all, because in the economy of God, we only level up. She was there. And after six months of being there, the warden called her in and said, we have seen such amazing behavior, such amazing change. We see that there's been a change in your life and we believe that you have been rehabilitated, that we will release you in another six months. She only served half of her prison sentence. Now, some of y'all who are being real judgy, you're like, yeah, but she's going to get out and do the same thing. I got a little testimony praise report because nothing just happens. She was released on a Thursday. And on that Sunday, she said, I made a commitment to God. So she hopped on her phone and she Googled the nearest church to her. She walked over to that church and she was intentionally late. She sat in an auditorium much like this, but in the very back. And as people were raising their hands, lifting their hands in worship, she said, if people only knew my background, I wouldn't be accepted here. She, as she was beginning to lift her hands in worship, she turns to her left and who does she see approaching her? The correctional officer she beat up in prison who embraced her with a hug and said, I believe that God is the God of redemption and you are not an inmate, you're my sister in Christ. 
Daphne was released. Daphne was united with her daughter and her granddaughter. And I had the privilege of baptizing her in Texas last year. God is a God of redemption. On the screen is a picture of Daphne because I feel like you have to put a face to a name because nothing just happens. God took a pagan, unbelieving immigrant and allowed her to be in the economy of God's family. Oh, this is what happens. We discover in Ruth chapter three, as you read it this week, she goes to Boaz and she has a DTR defining the relationship. She said, boom me up, bozo. Come on, let's make this happen. I'm single and don't want to mingle. All right, let's make this happen. And in chapter four, we see that Ruth's proposal was taken up. And in true fairy tale form, Boaz marries Ruth and they have a baby by the name of Obed. Won't he do it? My Lord done did it. Look at verse 13, Ruth 4, 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife when he made love to her. If you don't know what that is, ask Pastor Chad next week, okay? The Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. A barren, widowed, outcast, pagan worshiper became a Moabitess mommy. And this is the stuff that Disney tales are made out of. But here's the best part, the best part is it, it didn't stop there. It didn't stop with that happily ever after. See, at the end of the book of Ruth, there's something called the genealogy. What's a genealogy? It's basically a Hebrew phone book of your daddy's, 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 daddy's information, okay? And here we see that Ruth is listed in a very interesting family. So turn with me to Ruth chapter four, uh, four verse 18. This then is the family line of Perez. You didn't know that there was Latinos in the Bible. Okay, this is proof. All right, there you go. Hey. Okay, so Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. Oh, this is interesting. Obed is King David's grandpa. But it doesn't stop there because the next time we see the name Ruth it's in Matthew chapter 1 and the genealogy that she is in is in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so Obed was the grandfather of King David and from King David comes King Jesus nothing just happens so get back up Ruth is a reminder that it's not dealt what it's not what's dealt to you. It's what you do with what is dealt to you. And I tell you this is a product of East Los Angeles, California. I couldn't rewrite or spell at the age of 12. I was morbidly obese and written off by every statistician, prone to highest failure. But my God, my God took a little girl from the ghetto and put an anointing and call upon her life. No matter what happened, she determined to get back up and took this little daughter of an immigrant back to Los Angeles to sow seeds of faith because revival is coming church mark me on that revival is coming and you can sit here and be like I don't believe it I don't care you can sit on the sidelines but the move of God is coming and let me tell you something you might be out you might feel down you might feel washed out you might feel a has-been get your butt up because God is not done. You might be feeling, I'm too old. Look at Naomi. She felt like the bow had left the yacht. She felt like she was gone. Let me tell you something. Nothing just happens. God used these two women in supernatural ways, young and old, in the lineage of Christ, not in the lineage of Christ. Let me tell you something. I want to emulate what Ruth did. Ruth knew that with every sacrifice, every problem she survived, that it was for the next generation. And when we think of not just us, we think about those who are coming up before us. 
we are willing to get rid of things and let go of things that might even be beneficial for us. You're going to read that Ruth, who was starving and hungry, was given food by Boaz. And she saved it for her mother-in-law. She gave away her food so others can live. What about Queen Esther in the Bible, who gave away her power and prominence to save her people? What about Paul the Apostle, who gave away his prestige and his power because he knew that it was for the next generation. What about Jesus who gave away his life because he was mindful of the next generation? I need us to know that there's a generation of people who are watching us saying, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do when life hits you? What are you gonna do when you take that blow and you say, I stand back up. I believe I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So church, this is what I'm believing for, that this is just the beginning, not just the beginning of the year. This is the beginning of us understanding God is in control of everything. Therefore, no matter what comes my way, I will stand back up. I'm believing that the spirit of God will give us what we need, how we need it, and when we need it. Church, this is what I want us to do. We're going to go into a song of worship, and I want this to be a declaration over our heart, over our mind, and over our soul. Will you open up your heart? Will you just, 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 just open up a crack? Open up your heart and say, God, spirit of the living God, will you speak to me? Remind me that I am maybe down, but I am not out. I may have taken a hit, but I'm not knocked out. Spirit of the living God, we invite you into this.